0: Either way, and uh, you know, I I just can't, I I can't use anything other than just my regular Bible. I've just done it for so long, Um, that's just what I use, so anyhow, turn with me to the book of Acts chapter 11, Acts chapter 11, Acts chapter 11, probably uh, a simple thought, but you know what, Uh, sometimes we need to return to the basics, right? Sometimes we just need to get back to these simple things. I've been in places where uh, somebody brought up something that was so deep, so complicated, and they lost half of the people that were listening. And I, I just don't want to be that way. And so I'm going to talk this morning about what is a Christian? Pretty basic. But what if somebody was to ask you, what, what's your definition? What, what is a Christian? Would we really be able to give an intelligent answer? What is it? How could I explain it? I know that I am one, but how could I explain it? So that's where I want to come to. and, and uh, it's like the boy said to a father, it, said, what is a Christian? And the father began to answer. It said, "Well, have I ever seen one? Have I ever seen a Christian? What is What is it a, a Christian? Like some people would be like asking him to explain what is an alien. What is an alien? Is there an alien? How is So what about a Christian? What is a Christian? Let's look at Acts chapter 11. If you found it, would you stand with me, starting with verse 19. It says, "...now they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen traveled as far as Phoenice and Cyprus and Antioch, preaching the word to none but to the Jews only." And some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene, which, when they were come to Antioch, spake unto the Grecians, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was, up, was with them, and a great number believed and turned unto the Lord. Then tidings of these things came unto the ears of the church, which were, was in Jerusalem, and they sent forth Barnabas, that he should go as far as Antioch. Who, when he came and had seen the grace of God, and and was glad, and exhorted them all, with that with purpose of heart they which they would cleave unto the Lord, for he was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost and of faith, and much people was added unto the Lord. Then departed Barnabas and to Tarsus and to seek Saul, and when he was found uh, him. He brought him unto Antioch, and it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people, and the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. And and, uh, we're going to stop right there. I'm going to talk about what is a Christian. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. We know that your word is truth. And Lord, as we look into your word, give us the ability to rightly divide it. Give, an, give us open ears to hear and open hearts to receive from your word this morning. Challenge us to a deeper and a closer walk with you, and we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. And you may be seated. I believe that we have some real misconceptions about what a Christian really is. I, I, I think this uh, to some people probably ought really believe some of these. Some people think you are automatically Christian just because you're born in the United States. We know that that makes you an American, but that doesn't make you a Christian. Some people think, oh, because I'm born into the right family. Some may even go as far because my dad is a preacher that I'm a Christian, that does not automatically make you a Christian. Because my granddad is a Christian does not make you a Christian. You follow me? Some because, oh, I do good things, I do good works, I'm a good person, I'm a good moral person, I've never hurt anybody. That doesn't make you a Christian. Do you agree this morning? I'm right. You know, that doesn't make you, as much as sitting in a garage doesn't make you a car. Right? (laughs) Just because you take your lawn chair and sit in your garage, you are not a car. And so just because you sit in church doesn't make you a Christian. How many people sitting across this country, sitting in pews or in chairs or whatever, in certain churches all across around the world doesn't mean that they're all Christians. Just because I attend church does not make me a Christian. Maybe in order to define what a Christian really is, we need to define what a sinner is. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. It's missing the mark. They're sinners. We are all sinners born into sin because of our first parents. But, you know, sometimes the world knows better what a Christian is than what Christians do. At least a lot of the world knows better how Christians ought to live than Christians do. And that's pretty sad. But here we go We go to this um, city of Antioch where they were first called Christians it's because they acted like Christ they were little Christs so to speak because they acted like Christ but this was a Antioch was a gentile predominantly gentile city it was a capital city of a Roman uh, of the Roman province of Syria and it was a large city there was 300 miles between it and Jerusalem. But here, at one time, it was called the Queen City of the East, and Barnabas was the one that went to inspect the work that was going on in Antioch. And he came away impressed, and he went to get Paul, or Saul at that time, and to get him, to because the work was so large, Christians were doing so well. They were growing spiritually, and way, were leaving an impact on the place that they lived. It was so impressive. And so for the next year, they came in, and they nurtured these young Christians, and they preached to them, and they saw them growing spiritually. This is every preacher's dream. It's like a year-long revival, and the people were just soaking it in. And so much so to the, where this is the place that they were first called Christians, a term that's only used three times in the New Testament. It's because they were Christ-like. You know, that's what I believe God really wants to see in us, that we are living Christ-like. It doesn't give you a license to live like the devil all week and come to church and pretend we're Christians. doesn't work that way. It's that wherever they were at, if they were out in public, they were on the job, they could see Christ in these people by the way they were acting. Do people see Christ in you? When you go to work tomorrow, do they know you're a Christian? Come on. Don't have to answer out loud. When you're, you know, wherever you're at, do they know you're a Christian? Don't have to wear a t-shirt that says, I'm a Christian. They should see it in our lives. We are Christians. So, allow me this morning. I've got um, several points to kind of round out what the Christian really is. And let me move through these real quickly. Number one is, a Christian is saved. He's saved. Or born again it was nicodemus that came to jesus and said what must i do to be born again i think a lot of us here in this auditorium this morning we understand that it's giving our heart to the lord we come to an old fashioned altar we repent of our sins we confess christ as our savior we surrender our life to him we give our life to him so it involves conviction of sin it involves repenting of our sin and confessing our faith in Christ. A Christian is born again. A Christian is someone who is saved. You've got to be saved. And the second one goes right along with that is you've got to be sure You know, I I believe as long as my faith is in Jesus Christ, I have that blessed assurance that Jesus is mine. I believe it. You can be sure. And the devil, one of the tricks of the devil is to get you to come to the point that you doubt your salvation. But as long as you're washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, you are saved. You are born again. And so, yeah, a Christian does things God's way. Once you become a Christian, you do things God's way. And you're sure of it. You're sure that you're saved. You follow God's roadmap. You follow God's word. And I believe just Christians do Christian things. I believe it. Come on, let me hurry on. Number three, a Christian is surrendered. Surrendered. You know, it means you come to a point that you stop fighting. I just stopped fighting him. I've surrendered everything to God. I'm surrendered. You know, Romans chapter 6, verse 13 says, we are to yield ourselves unto God. So a Christian is surrendered. It's no longer not my will, but thy will be done. I want God's will to be done in my life. I've got to stop fighting. On Wednesday night, we've been talking about the book of Jonah, and Jonah came to that point in the belly of the whale. He had that belly of the whale experience where he surrendered himself. He confessed what he had done confessed about running from God's will, and he surrendered to God's will. A Christian is surrendered. You know, so many times we hold back at these areas. Like God, I surrender everything, but just don't tell me who to marry. God, I surrender everything, but just don't tell me where to work. You know what? A Christian is totally surrendered to the will of God. Surrender. Fourth thing, is he sound? That means he is sound or sure in what he believes. You know, the Bible says he warns about being carried about with every wind of doctrine. You follow some people. That's when something new comes out and they follow that or they follow this or follow that. We need to be sound in what we believe. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe that he was conceived of the Holy Ghost. I believe that he was born of the Virgin Mary. I believe that he lived a sinless life. I believe that he was crucified on a cross and that he rose again the third day. I believe that he ascended into heaven. Heaven is seated at the right hand of the Father. And I believe that Jesus Christ is coming back again. What do you believe? I believe that this is the Word of God. I believe that it's the inspired Word of God from cover to cover, including the maps. Well, those are added, but you know what? I believe it's the Word of God. I've got to be sound in what what I believe how many people i've heard well the bible does say cleanliness is next to godliness chapter and verse please it's a good principle you need to take a shower you need to take a bath you know but you know you can't find that specifically in god's word are some people that say well god helps those that help themselves doesn't doesn't god's word say that where's the chapter and verse for that too it may be a good principle, but you know what? There's Sometimes we quote things and say, it's the Word of God, but it may not be. I've got to know what I believe. And how will I know that if I don't ever get into God's Word? You need to study it. You need to, It doesn't matter that you don't understand it all. I've told you, I've been to Bible school. I'm your Bible school graduate. It doesn't mean I understand everything about the Word of God. I'm still learning, too. But you're not going to learn what it says unless you open it and read it. You need to be reading it every day. And so they're sound in what they believe. Number five I think we're on is he is separated. A Christian is separated. Bible says come out from among them and be separate. Be different. Be set apart. Or be sanctified. Christians are peculiar people. Doesn't mean we have to be odd or weird. Come on. But they're set apart. You know, we talked a little bit about this last week, and I told you, don't be afraid of holiness. It's because God wants us to be holy. His word is holy. His angels are holy. His spirit is holy. And he wants his people to be holy. Not worldly, he wants us to be holy. And that's what with these early Christians, they were separated. They're the called out ones. The church, the ecclesia, as it means, is they're separated from the world and they're set apart for God. Set apart. And you know what? That's when it's important that we be sanctified, that we be holiness- or righteous, that's part of being a Christian. You follow me this morning? Come on, come on. Let me hurry on. Number six is they are servants. A Christian is a servant, he's a servant. If we're called to be Christians and we say we're Christians, that means we're servants. You know, I, we work in a place, Joel and I work in a place, there's too many chiefs and not enough Indians, you know? We got a lot of bosses. And bosses on top of bosses, and bosses on top of bosses. Well, you have a place that runs on meetings. They have meetings to decide when they're going to have meetings. You know, I mean, it runs on meetings because of bosses and bosses. And, you know, sometimes we need more Indians. We need more laborers. We need more servants than we need more bosses. And same with the, with the family of God. Because, you know what, everybody wants the credit. In the kingdom of God, it all that matters is that God gets the glory, that he is glorified. And when you're called to, when you become a Christian, you're called to be a servant. It was Jesus said of John the Baptist that John the Baptist said, I must decrease and he must increase. And John the Baptist was a servant. He said, I'm nobody, but Christ is somebody. And so, we need to be a servant. Let me hurry on. Number seven. Number seven is a Christian has a song in their heart. A Christian is singing. You know, it, he puts a song in our heart. Psalm 42, verse 8 says, He gives us a song in the night. Isn't there something how you could be you could be going along and just going through a hard time, but a song comes back to you, you hadn't heard for years? And it ministers to you. And, of course, it's been laughed, joked about. I listen to a song that I like, and I'll play it over and over again. Come across one just here a couple weeks ago, and I, I must have played it 50 times. I liked it. It ministered to me. And a Christian has a song in their heart that the world doesn't have, that the world can't sing. It's like Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound saved a wretch like me I once was lost but now I'm found I was blind but now I see a Christian has a song in their heart and let me go on the last one I'm gonna close number eight a Christian should be spirit-filled spirit-filled you're a Christian you need to be seeking to be spirit-filled folks Sometimes I'm not always sure who's got the Holy Ghost in our church or who doesn't. But you need to be seeking. Young people, listen to me. You need to be seeking for the Holy Ghost. Kids, there's no reason why you can't be asking God to fill you with the Holy Ghost. And what is a Christian? A Christian is spirit filled. The Holy Ghost will help you. The Holy Ghost will lead you into all truth. The Holy Spirit is like a secret weapon. It will help you to live a victorious... He will. I don't mean to say it will. He will help you to live a victorious Christian life. You need to be seeking to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Come on, young people. You can do it. You need to be up here seeking for the Holy Ghost. Young men, my grandsons, you need to be seeking for the Holy Ghost. Come on. I want my grandkids to be filled with the Holy Ghost. You need it, church. What is a Christian? A Christian is spirit-filled. Let me close with this. You're a Christian because things changed. You're changed. You're different. When you come to the Lord and you and you get saved, you are, are different. Old things, the Bible says, are passed away, and all things are become new, changed. It's like that caterpillar that goes into that cocoon and it comes out as a butterfly. It's no longer a caterpillar; it's changed. Something that's significant about this Christian life, something significant about the people in Antioch that were first called Christians is that they were different. They were changed. You know, if you've not been going through that, not ever gone through that stage in your life, you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you need to this morning. Time to quit playing games with God and get serious about serving God. Sister Cassandra, come back to the piano, please. Just, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back.